You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. And belly up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. My name is Chris. His name is Ed. This is Socks in the Basement, and it's all brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. I was just out with Ken of uh, Family Waterproofing Solutions on Friday. We had, we had a couple of beers. He told his wife, Maria, it's a family-owned business. He was like, ah, I got to go do a business meeting. I'm like, you could have brought her. Like, we, we could have all had lunch together. He's like, ah, somebody has to run the shop. I think Ken was like, I'm spending an afternoon with Chris drinking some beer. Like, that that was kind of what his plan was. Nothing wrong with that. I thought it was awesome. Next time we're going to have to make sure his better half gets out there with us. Uh, look, they're doing so much just this month. It's Customer Appreciation Month, 10% off. I'm actually going to be doing some gutter cleaning service this week with Family Waterproofing Solutions. They also handle anything that has to do with your foundation, window wells, seepage, you name it. They handle it 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Give them a call. Protect your home. 708-330-4466 or visit them today at FamilyDry.com. David Sampson was on our last show. If you missed it, you missed what I believe was a just a solid interview. Very insightful. Oh, it's amazing. You know, we had some people that, that reached out. You're always going to get comments. We got a lot of positive ones. And a few negative ones were like, yeah, yeah, but he did this thing. And, you know, he did this. And, you know, there are people that don't like some of his practices over the 18 years of being a president and a vice president in two different organizations in Major League Baseball. And fine, I get that. But for our purposes, he makes sense when we are looking for somebody who has that experience to give us some insight as to what's going on behind the scenes. I'm not getting that from the White Sox. Trust me, there's been an interview request in, and it's resubmitted on a regular basis for Rick Hahn. All right? You don't talk to this show. But it's there. But if I want to talk to a GM about what's going on, we were lucky that David Sampson came on. And what's really cool is he's now an entry for one of our listeners in the $1,000 guest bounty. And if at the end of the offseason, that is voted by you, the listeners, as the best guest that we had during this offseason, the listener that put him in, the, the person that convinced him to come on the show, is going to win $1,000 from Elite Benefits of America. And I think that's just awesome. So to me... 100% win in every way having him on. If you missed it, go on back and listen to it because we're probably going to reference some of the things that he said, the insider stuff when it comes to GMs and front offices throughout this entire offseason because there was an awful lot there to unpack. And it was great because he's got no filter. And I don't think anybody that's currently in baseball would have talked as openly as David Sampson did on our last episode. No, and you can disagree with the guy's practices and he's got an interesting history, sure, but it doesn't mean he hasn't been there. When you're looking at people who are out there who are in the know, you have a couple of different classes of folks out there in baseball. You have people who have actually been there and done it, and then you've got people who report on it or talk to other people who have been there and done it. And that's that's who we get our news from, right? So I, I like the fact that we had David Sampson on. I thought that was uh, that was great, and I also love the fact that when you got a guy who's got no filter because he just doesn't care because he's not in the game and he's not protecting employment, it's great. Yeah, I love that. I love just the fact that he just came out and said what he wanted to say, and he, and he wasn't afraid yeah. to talk about different things. Uh, one of the things that 
he felt, and you know, I, we kind of felt it too, but I, I also thought it was impossible that nothing was going to get done before this CBA date on December the 1st. And the Tigers, they, they want to be contenders. And we talked about it during the season, and we're going to talk about it now. The Tigers are real. They're, they're a young they're, team. They're coming for you. And they're coming for us. And it's probably good overall for the White Sox because more competition means that your team may be a little sharper. It also, though, means there is no guarantee you're going to win in the division every year. So you got to continue to get better, and you have to play at a high level for 162. Look, the Indians were not going to be a big threat, in my opinion, this year. The Royals, whatever, okay? I don't think the Twins are just going to bounce back from the year that they had last year. They've got some problems. they got some things they got to work out. The Tigers are going to be your main competition. And they go out and they sign Eduardo Rodriguez, a pitcher that we've mentioned here on this show that I've mentioned. I know how much you like Eduardo Rodriguez. I do. You know, he's on my fantasy team. I've had him on my team, like my dynasty team for years. So I know him inside and out. I've traded him away and regretted it and brought him back onto the team. And he's a guy that I believe can be a front end guy. And at worst, he sits right in the middle of your rotation. He eats up innings and he his his ERA is always higher than what I think he actually does for your team. Like, I, I believe his fielding independent pitching was far below what his ERA was. I also think that he's coming off of, uh, he had the COVID issue where he had a heart problem, some kind of irregular beat, if I remember right, during the 2020 season, he was shut down for the entire thing. He had a rough first half and a very stellar second half. He is a good pitcher that you're getting at a value based upon what his wins above replacement were. Because I think if he would have been completely healthy to start the season, he might have been higher than that 3.8 wins above replacement. But I I found something interesting, and I think it'll open up a a big conversation for us. He's reportedly getting a five-year deal for $77 million. That's about $15.4 million a year. Now, if I take $15.4 million, and I know this is not an exact science, and I divide it by its wins above replacement, 3.8. I'm going to come up with about $4 million per win above replacement. If I then extrapolate that out for Carlos Rodon, he comes out at $20 million is what Rodon would be worth. Now, that's only one deal, but let's take a look at Andrew Heaney. 2.5 wins above replacement, signs a one-year $8.5 million deal with the Dodgers, and Heaney, if you extrapolate him out, money per win above replacement, he would say that Carlos Rodon is worth about $17 million. So one player saying, like, just if you just do it that way, this is just for me to kind of make a point. Rodon is worth somewhere between, with his five wins above replacement, between seventeen and $20 million. You know, when David Sampson, I think, on the show said, Rick Hahn knows he's not worth that money, I don't think anybody wants to come straight out and say why he's not worth that money. But I think everybody's basically saying, I don't believe that five number. I don't believe in the health, and I don't believe he's going to repeat that. Because if you believe he's going to repeat that, he was worth 18.4, right? Well, yeah, and and it, it's likely that there's two things going on. One is, I am sure at this stage in his career, age 28 coming off of his best season, Carlos Rodon, I know we, we laugh about what Scott Boris said, you know, uh, you know, oh, he, he was never going to take the qualifying offer. He was going to take it. But yeah, he, he could have very easily taken it. But here's the thing. I'm sure Rodon would would prefer, as opposed to going back on a one-year deal on a qualifying offer of 18.4, I'm sure he would prefer that a team gave him three or four years, right, and and paid him somewhere in that 17 to $20 million range based on the numbers that he put up, which were, you know, pretty darn good last year, right? 
pretty spectacular. So, but he's he's not he's not that diamond in the rough that you referenced earlier. The way that Haney or Rodriguez are, where Rodan's numbers and his peripherals are pretty much straight up. But the question with him is not did he underperform for some reason or did he overperform somehow? The question for him is can he repeat it and can he come back? And is that end of the season thing where he suddenly is throwing 85 miles an hour on his fastball, is that something that a team is going to see for a big stretch of 2022? Or are they going to see the Rodon that we saw for a good chunk of the year? Socks in the basement listeners do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. So now I want to kind of go back to a point that uh, David Sampson brought up on the last episode. And he was talking about how it, it doesn't take a genius to go out and sign the big name free agent. It takes a genius to find a way to spread your money around and go find those guys that are a little bit lower down who are about to have a big season that are going to contribute right. in a way to your team that when you put them all together, it makes your team that much better. And that's what he thought that Rick Hahn was going to do in the offseason. So I started looking down the list more at guys that sit around where Andrew Heaney, who signed the one year $8.5 million deal with the Dodgers are on pitching list when it comes to wins above replacement, their contribution to their team. And that is not an exact stat when it comes to pitchers. I I still believe whip is the greatest one, but in trying to compare free agents, I think this is a fair way to just take a quick look at all of them. And I think at war. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just look at war. And, And I think that if the white Sox are going that route, now I'm looking at guys that are sitting around and Rohini because I think that that's realistic. The White Sox are going to have to go out and get one more pitcher. If they don't, they're stupid. Like you, you, you don't know what Michael Kopech's going to give you. You know, you don't know how many innings. You keep playing this game with Garrett Crochet where you continue to tell us, oh, one day he's going to be a starter. Really? I don't think so. I think you're just embarrassed right. to use that draft pick on a relief pitcher because you don't seem to have enough confidence to make him a starter. Plus, it's going to rip your bullpen apart, so you're going to have to replace that as well. Lopez, Reynaldo Lopez, we were just lucky to see something out of him finally after several years of just bad. And if that continues, that's great. There's a, there's an option for you. But I think this team has to go out and still sign a guy, possibly for around $8 million. So I'm looking at guys that come in at around two and a half war, anywhere between two to the high twos, like less than three. And the, the first name that jumped out at me is a guy that who's I've actually seen mentioned when people talk about possible pitchers for the White Sox in the offseason, who I believe does not have a qualifying offer attached to him, John Gray, 30 years old, out of the Rockies. And the prevailing thought is, well, of course, he pitched for the Rockies. Get him out of there, and he'll be a much better pitcher. Well, here's the thing. 
he's so much better at home than on the road. I had to look up his stuff because I was like, oh, maybe that's my diamond in the rough end. Maybe a guy with a 2.7 yeah. war who pitches half his games in Coors. That's the guy you go out and get for the $8 million, right? That's that's the guy you go spend the money on, right? Because that's where the market is starting to fall. And I look at his home and away splits, and I go, ugh. He's got a <laughs> 1.393 whip away and a 1.284 at home. I thought that would be flipped. Right. You would expect that to be flipped. No, it's not flipped. Not at all. He's He's gone out there and actually played pretty much the same amount of games home and away. It's, it's a difference of like two games and he's separated by only about five home runs. Like he, he actually walks more people on the road than at home. So like, I mean, now maybe, maybe the reasoning is he's just comfortable with his home cooking and in a place like the rate where the ball flies out, if he can, if he can control things at Coors, he can control things at the rate. I don't know, but I, I kind of took a step back from my initial thing of, well, that's the guy right there then. Based upon the way the market's going, 2.7 war, John Gray at 30 years old, that's the guy you try to snag down the line. Who who do you think they go out and get? Because I, I look at some of these names and I think to myself, this doesn't have to be a long-term deal. But you can add an Alex Wood at 2.5 war. It's the same as Heaney's. You can go grab yourself a guy like Danny Duffy, who was in your division at 2.2 war. That would at least be an arm you throw in there. Do you think Johnny Cueto at 36 is going to come out now and all of a sudden have that that year after the year after the injury where he gets that one more time like a light bulb that gets bright before his career ends? Like there's all kinds of interesting names on there. Corey Kluber's on there if you still believe he's got something left. Well, Kluber Kluber's a guy that you're you're throwing a dart at him. But you know, one of the things, and and I I caught this from Sarah Langs at the MLB Network, who who tweeted out one of the interesting things about Eduardo Rodriguez signing and Andrew Heaney signing, is that they are two of the top three in Major League Baseball last year with a difference between their actual and their expected ERA. Okay, where Heaney's ERA was 5.83, his expected ERA was 3.98. Rodriguez 4.74 ERA, 3.52 was his expected ERA. Uh, so, you know, one of the guys that's out there, he's not a free agent, but given the A's fire sale, a guy who kind of falls into that is Sean Manea, who has a 4.09 ERA last year, but a 3.65 as far as his expected ERA. I've always liked him. He's like one of those guys I've always felt like is undervalued out there. Yeah, and, and see, I think you can find value like that somewhere, but I also really do just think that, like you said, you're, you're looking at some of these guys that are, are coming off of a year that wasn't maybe exactly what they expected it to be. And you kind of want to sit there and, and, and take a look and see, was there something about their performance that leads me to believe that we could do this and we could repeat something better on the south side of Chicago than what they had wherever they were pitching last year. So I, I don't know that, that there's any hurry to go out and sign Robbie Ray, for example, who, frankly, did better than his peripheral suggests that he should have, right? There's a huge gap between his actual ERA and what his his expected ERA would have been, but it's in the wrong direction completely. And his war is 3.9, so you're paying a big amount of money for that to try and get something out of him when he has been up and down in his career. I would much rather, at this point, for the White Sox to take a look at, at guys and see who's been consistent the past couple of years. So Gray, for example, to get back to him, home and road splits aside, if you look at it, other than when he was hurt, 
he's been fairly consistent over the past few years. He's just never been the ace that the Rockies claimed he was. That was the big knock on him, right? He was supposed to be this ace pitcher. But if he's going to give you innings, if he's going to give you a fairly consistent thing where you're going to know what you're getting out of him every single start, that I think is just as important for the White Sox for that fifth starter position or that this extra position than what they had last year where sometimes you got to a point with the last three guys in the rotation where you just weren't sure what Dallas Keuchel or Dylan Cease or even towards the end what Carlos Rodon was going to be until they actually started throwing pitches in the first inning. And then you figured out, all right, we need to get Garrett up, we need to have Kopech ready, we need to have Ronaldo ready, whoever's going to give us multiple innings today because this is not going well. Or you were able to look at it and go, everybody chill out until about the fifth inning and then we'll start looking to see where they are. If we are going into this, we're not going for the top end of the pitching market, but we did let go of a five-war pitcher, whatever you go out and get and add into this rotation, you will walk in to spring training with a lesser rotation than what you had last year. You are not improved. You are actually lower in terms of what you are expected to be able to do rotation-wise. Because going into last year, Keiko was expected to be better than what he was. He fell off, right? right. Um, but when you just look at what the actual output of the team was, Rodon was one of your top starters. And we're talking about the idea of, okay, well, we're going to have to find some value here or do this or do that. That guy is not going to give an output of Carlos Rodon unless you find lightning in a bottle or you identify something that we don't see here. And again, that goes down to how much do you trust your general manager when it comes to identifying that. And so this is the thing for me. Right now, it feels like we lost a high-end guy and this team, unless they go and do something crazy like go out and get Kevin Galsman or convince Max Scherzer to come pitch here. I mean, there's not a lot of guys that performed better than Rodon last year, okay, in terms of wins above replacement, in terms of value for his team. There were not a lot of guys that did that. So you're gonna you're trying now to find somebody that's going to at least come close to or equal him. Otherwise, you're not as good on the mound when it comes to your starting pitching as you were last year. Now, you can make the argument, well, Michael Kopech, what if he comes out there and he's great? Well, maybe he will be. Uh, again, though, I think he's been pretty one-dimensional. And we don't know what he looks like when he goes through the lineup three times. We have absolutely no idea what that's going to be like. And we know he's not stretched out. So the idea that, like, well, he'll just slide in there and be Rodon, and then we just got to find that guy who's going to be one of these, these six starters or fifth starters or somebody at the bottom end that rotates, that's a leap. And so... That's what makes me nervous. I think that's what makes most White Sox fans nervous, right? Like, we'll get ourselves into these silly conversations with each other like, oh, well, this guy's worth more than this, or this is, a, you know, you're we're being too hard on this, or, you know, this is all the money we have to spend, and so we can't get too upset. And But, but the basic fact is a guy at the top end of your rotation is gone, and your expectations are either Kopech all of a sudden takes another step in development and he can go out and pitch the innings that you need him to pitch this year, or you find this diamond out there that didn't have a great year, those two seem very far-fetched, you know? So I think the fan in me goes, get out the checkbook for crying out loud, because I want to win, and the Tigers want to win, obviously, because they just brought out the checkbook to the tune of $15.4 million for Rodriguez. So, Ed, we have a brand-new restaurant that is now part of the Socks in the Basement Empire. We're an empire? TT's Restaurant. Now, it looks like Thithi, 
And the only reason I'm telling you this is because when you go to the website later, you have to spell it T-H-I-T-H-I. But seeing as how TT's brings you everything from Thai food to Vietnamese food to French food, and because I've met TT, I know that that's how she pronounces her name. Spectacular food. They spent six years in Evergreen Park with their first location. They've opened a second location now out in Westchester. Uh, it is right there off of Wolf Road. It's just to the east of Wolf Road on Roosevelt. A spectacular brand new place. I just got in there late last week to go in and have lunch. The food is absolutely incredible. It is like one of those things where you go to a restaurant, you want to impress somebody. Let's say you're on a date, got your wife out, got your girlfriend out. Or both. Ladies out there, you you want to eat someplace fancy. You tell your significant other like, hey, let's go to this place. You go out there. There's all these things on the menu I would think to myself, I would never try that. And then I have it and I go, where have you been my entire life? TT's Restaurant, The Art of Food. Check them out now at their new Westchester location, 11055 Roosevelt Road. TT's Restaurant at T-H-I-T-H-I-Restaurant.com. So I keep seeing people on Twitter and I always take Twitter with a grain of salt. Well, you it's, should because it's, it's, it's not Twitter. real. And it's a big, it's not real. It's it's a big grain of salt. It's like there's a deer licking at it at all times. <laughs> but I keep seeing that the Sox are going to be really competitive towards Michael Conforto in right field. It's all everybody wants, Ed. But I, I, I my thought as I'm as I'm thinking more about this because I, I'm I'm thinking about what happens if the White Sox do nothing, you know, and and, and kind of working through oh, that scenario in my done. head, and, and, and that would be a tragedy. Don't worry about it. But it would be a tragedy. But it, it, let's say that they go out and they pick up a right fielder. My my thought is, is that they, if they do that, if they go position player and they go outfield for their big free agent signing, because you're you're not looking at a lot of really good second base options out there, unless you're asking Marcus Simeon, who's a shortstop by trade. He played second for one year as a prove it type of thing, uh, you know, to, to to show that he was for real from 2019. But then you've got Corey Seager, Trevor Story. Carlos Correa, these are all shortstops that you would want to have play second base because the second base list is awful. But if they go outfield, doesn't that signal that for the pitcher or for the second base hole, which are, are the bigger holes, that you're you're basically saying Andrew Vaughn or Gavin Sheets is probably on their way out? Yeah, I would think so. Look, I think it's coming. I think a, a very hard-hitting, hurtful, painful trade is coming this offseason. I think you just have to get yeah. yourself ready for it. I don't know who it's going to be. Could be a menace. I have no idea. I think there's a trade coming. And you point it right out there with the second base thing, first of all. After Semyon, it's it's Cesar Hernandez who we don't think is good enough. We had him. He was literally here. They could have just kept him. And then right after that, it's Larry Garcia. Nobody wants to see that at second base. And, And then it's just a brutal list of crap. Unless you go out and you get one of these crazy shortstops, crazy good shortstops, with like Correa out there or Story or Seager. I mean, right now, Javi Baez would be the second best second baseman that I think you would say that is yeah. sitting out there right now, unless you're going out making a trade. So I think a trade is imminent for this team at some point. Something's going to happen where they acquire, if not second base, right field. I liked what we discussed on the last episode with David Sampson, which was the idea of finding outfielders that play all three positions that can be moved around, that can go to different places. You know, here's my problem with Conforto. He's really a platoon player, and I don't like that anymore. Scott Boros was calling Michael Conforto the king of queens (laughs) last week as he's waxing poetic 
about how great Michael Conforto is and how many teams are interested in him. How much weight has Michael Conforto gained in the offseason, then, if he's the king of queens? I know, I know. How- I'm just picturing Kevin James in a Mets uniform now. <laughs> exactly, that's what I'm looking at, okay. I'm believing that's that's what Michael Conforto looks like now in my brain is Kevin James in a Mets uniform. But this we've seen this so many times before, White Sox fans, where you get these reports that the White Sox are interested in a player and the player just happens to be a Boros client. And then the White Sox are one of many teams that are interested in the Boros client. And then the player doesn't come to the White Sox. And you know who's telling you about the interest that the White Sox have in Michael Conforto? Scott Boris is telling you because he's the guy putting the information out. I'm going to tell you right now, the amount of smoke around Michael Conforto tells me there's not going to be a Michael Conforto on this team. One, I'm not really sure if it's what the White Sox need. And two, this is another Scott Boris thing. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not falling for this again. This isn't happening. And you know what? I'm not concerned if it happens because I'm not sure if he's the best option that's out there. He's become like the darling of White Sox Twitter that you you have to go out. There's a good section of his fan base that believes that's the guy to go out and get. And what I'm telling you is, one, if you believe that, guess what? You're not getting him because Boris is just playing you. Okay. How often does Scott Boris bring a guy here? Not that often. It's very rare. All right. Plus, he's going to hang you on the hook while all the other options all get picked up by other teams that are smart enough not to deal with him. You, you would think at some point we've learned our lesson. If I were the general manager of a Major League Baseball team, I would look at every one of his clients and I would say, is there anybody on here I really care about? And then I would call him up and say, what are you looking for, Scott? And he would give me a number. And I'd say, okay, Scott, here's the deal. I'm giving you 10% over that number right now. I'm going to overpay so I don't have to put up with your crap. You've got 48 hours. After that, I'm crossing every Scott Boris guy off of my list. And I'm just going to move on to the other players because that's the pool I'm picking from. Because there's nothing that says you have to go out and overpay for his players to win World Series. And and I think that's how I would approach. I would never let that guy hold me up for months, okay, playing one team against another team. I would never do that. I would just say, I'm just not dealing with them. There's plenty of other guys out there. I'd find somebody else and I would deal with those. I would have really good relationships with those other agents and I wouldn't really worry about this guy. And that's, that's kind of how I would handle it. I think if the White Sox go down the road for Michael Conforto, there's just pain at the end of the road, okay? And and you're going to feel stupid, feeling bad you didn't get a guy that when you look back at it later, you go, did we really need him? Weren't there a couple other possibilities besides him? I would much rather see Rick Hahn make painful trades to fix his problems in second base and right field than sit around for four months with that idiot pulling the strings on your franchise while other teams are signing guys that are not Boros clients. And you're and the pool is getting, you know, shallower and shallower and shallower until you have to deal with him. And then when he doesn't deal with you, you are just sitting around feeling stupid and empty and you didn't get what you wanted. And now you're telling your fan base some kind of spin that just ticks your fan base off. About, I mean, it'd be like the Machado thing all over again. It'd be like, oh, you know, we, we gave him the best offer. No, you didn't. But I mean, you'd be sitting there kind of spitting that crap towards us. Don't go down that road anymore. Stop doing that. Stop doing it to yourself. Stop doing it to us. Michael Conforto, I mean, seriously, on my list, I've got a big line through him right now. I know I'm the only one, but that's what I have. No, and I'm right there with you. I mean, I I look at Michael Conforto this year like Jackie Bradley Jr. last year. Remember, last year, Jackie Bradley Jr. was going to be the next Willie Mays as far as his abilities in center field. He's about to break out and have another great year at the bat. He wasn't even the next Willie Mays Hayes. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't the next Willie Mays Hayes. And and I'm not not even from the, the, uh, the sequel where... 
uh, you know, he wasn't even, you know, he, they had a change of actors because they couldn't get Wesley Snipes back. <laughs> so, you know, he, he's uh, he's the Epps version of, of Jackie Bradley Jr. Is, is what the Brewers got. And they just had him pick up his option. So they're going to be stuck with his dead weight for, what, $12, 13000000 million for next year. And that's that's the Scott Boris machine. And, and that's where, you know, when you see these things, we're like, well, why aren't, why aren't people predicting that the White Sox will sign Marcus Semyon? Well, it's partially because he's a Boris client as well, where, you know, Semyon's been built up to be this otherworldly guy, but if you really look at his stats year in and year out, 2019 and last year, fantastic. 2020, meh. Prior to 2019, he was what we traded away for Jeff Smarja. You know, he, was, he wasn't that great. So you get these moments where, and I don't blame Scott Boris for a second. He should be pumping the heck out of Michael Conforto. But it doesn't mean that he has to come here. I don't think that there's ever been an instance, and I, I mean, we'll have to sit down and actually work it out, but it'll be tedious and stupid because we all know the answer is, what I'm saying here is probably 100% true. I doubt there's ever been an instance where somebody paid for a Scott Boris client and actually got what they paid for. You are always going to overpay. You're going to be paying for the best years that player ever had, which he's not going to have on your team. And he's not going to end up projecting out to be as good as what was portrayed. Plus, you're going to get held up about three times at the very end when you think you got a deal. And all of a sudden, a mystery team comes in. And next thing you know, you got to come up with more money. You just get raked over the coals by this guy. You pay for something that you're not actually going to get. And then you convince yourself that it was what you always expected out of the guy. Well, I'm really happy with that guy. But if you really went back and you looked at how much you paid for the contribution the player gave you, you'd be like, why did I, why did I kick in that extra money? Why did I let him do that to me? Michael Conforto, whatever, if you get Michael Conforto, you've overpaid for him. Guaranteed. If you get Michael Conforto, you've wasted money on Michael Conforto. Whatever you pay for him, He's not worth that because it's the only way you're going to get him is if you overpay for him. I'm telling you right now. And you hurt yourself in some other area, either not being able to make a move, not being able to get something done, having to wait a couple extra months to get it done, losing money on him so you can't go sign another player that would have actually helped you out if you would have gone in a different direction. All those things if you go after a guy that's a Boros client. I, 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 it, look, if he was, I'm all on the Marcus Simeon because to me, I'd overpay a little bit for that because of the need and the shallowness at the position. Like I said, it'd be a, this is what we want. This is what we're offering. We're not doing this until February. And if he doesn't want to deal with you, start trading. Because that's the thing. To me, it's not about the players' names on the back of the jersey. It's the name on the front of the jersey. It's always been that. It's probably because it's probably the reason why some people get aggravated when I sit there and I say something like, you could trade this guy, you could move this guy. Well, no, you can't do that. I love that guy. No, no, I don't care. I want a championship. I don't care who's holding up the trophy as long as it says White Sox on it, right? As long as the guy holding it is wearing a Sox hat and a Sox jersey and he plays for the White Sox, I don't care who's holding the trophy at the end when you get there. I really don't. So uh, I'm telling you, if you can't get these players because you got to deal with this agent, I'd much rather watch the painful trades happen. I'd much rather roll the dice on that. Let's go do it. Let's make a couple of moves. Let's build this team. And guess what? The rest of Major League Baseball, the Tigers have shown you right now. The Tigers are aggressive. The Dodgers have already made a signing, even though it was a minor one, but they added a pitcher. Not everybody's waiting until the CBA decision on December the 1st. So let's get to it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how Michael Conforto's potential signing with the White Sox explains why the Sox cannot trade Dallas Keuchel this offseason. Did we get out of... 
Dallas Keuchel for the money what we thought we were going to get for four years? Or did we overpay? Uh, looks like an overpay right now to me, doesn't it? Point made. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.